Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Love music? Love interviews with lovely musicians? Search Virgin Radio UK on YouTube to find brilliant album specials with some of the shiniest lights on our playlist, including George Ezra. This is going to be something I'll remember. And that's a really lovely thing. I don't think I was able to do that in the past. And James Bay. Don't you agree that everybody needs someone when they feel alone? Watch all that and more at youtube.com slash UK. Vassos is here. Good morning, Vassos. Good morning. Aloha. Vassos is here. Aloha. <laughs> Later on, actually very soon, to be honest, Dave Stewart's going to be here. Tell us about Dave Stewart, please, Vassos. Here comes the rain again. Sweet dreams. There must be an angel. The miracle of love. Thorn in my side. Dave Stewart is an actual eurythmic. He really is. He's an actual Eurythmic. There's only two of them and he's one. Yeah, and he's uh, he's on tour, Eurythmic Songbook Sweet Dreams, 40th anniversary tour. Tickets at DaveStewart.com. Those songs are massive, aren't they? And The Time Traveller's Wife, the musical. He is also here to talk about that and tickets are available at thetimetravellerswife.com. All right. Also, Frank Skinner's going to be here. Tell us about Frank, please. Fantasy Football League, The Frank Skinner Show, Room 101. Three Lions. Everybody loves Frank Skinner. He's back on stage. He's doing stand-up. But you got to be quick. Seven days only. And tickets are on sale. Three, two, one. Now. Frankskinner.com. Go. Really? Hmm. What, a nine minutes yep, and 52 minutes. seconds yes, past seven? Yes, that was exactly then. That's when it, cool. that's when it opened. Yeah. Good work, Mass. You're on fire today. Uh, motorway services near Bradford voted worst in Britain. Again, if you haven't heard these stories, uh, mums flew to Milan for a £102 spa trip and made it home in time for the school run. That's just awesome. Why not? I mean, I know it's not great for the planet, but, you know. They've offset. It's offset. UK's first battery-powered trains hit the tracks. The tra- and the strikes are still ongoing, aren't they? Because so y- yesterday you would not have been able to get the train up to York to see your daughter, your eldest daughter at university, but you can today. You can today, and the tube strike that was planned for today has been called off. Listen to him. Mm, all Seriously, over it. somebody put him out. <laughs> Jeez. Otter and rat cause havoc on flight after escaping from the hand luggage. Oh, sounds like a movie. Uh, we've, have you seen Snakes on a Plane? No, never going We've out. all heard of snakes on a plane, but now a rat and an otter, otter have caused chaos after escaping from hand luggage on board a flight. It happened on a Viet jet flight from Bangkok to Taipal on Wednesday afternoon when passengers first noticed the rats as they walked past the toilet. <laughs> I see loads of rats running across London every day. The, the rats and me, we're both running. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more scampering and scurrying. And they sort of do, they do make a scampering and scurrying sound. I see some dormice as well. Depending on which car I'm in, today I'm in the loud one. Usually I'm in the quiet one. Uh, so I either have, it's quite, it's, I like the choice. I either have a Skoda, electric Skoda Enyaq VRS. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool car. Yes. Pretty quick car. Very cool car. Try and find them. They're rare as hen's teeth because people love them. Okay. Or a McLaren. <laughs> and if I stu- if I come in the McLaren, mm. I don't see any critters up our lane. 
And I think it's because when I started up, they all run off. They think it's a tsunami or something because they have that early detection thing, don't yes. they? they? They they literally scamper and scurry mm-hmm. to higher ground when they, they sense something's going. It was only in McLaren, but I didn't see any hedgehogs, any rabbits. So one very poorly rabbit yesterday that couldn't get out of the way of my car. Oh. So I got out of the car, um, made sure I was definitely going to hit it. No, 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 no. I am joking. I got out of the car. I mean, I literally, it was so, it was so, I think it was mixed with toast. It usually is, isn't it? Mm. It was so unable to, uninterested in being a rabbit. It let me pick it up and put it to the side of the road. Anyway, what else is going on? Ancient city shop reveals the Romans loved hot pink eyeshadow. Oh, get them. And it would have been quite hard to create pink back in the day. Do you remember? Because that's why we've talked about this before. The reason Turner's paintings are mostly yellow is because it was the cheapest colour paint. <laughs> yes. Did you know that? That's, I mean, that's, he didn't really want to paint that many sunsets. He just sort of didn't have a, didn't have a choice. Oh, <laughs> what are we going to do? I've got yellow. Sunset. Oh, sunrise? Okay, yes. Yeah, sunset. Mm. Toss a coin. Uh, Anne Boleyn's Heaver Castle. Plan to restore bedroom help by, help, held up by 70s wardrobe. What? I was not uh, like this on changing room. It was not like this on changing rooms. Heaver Castle's plan to return Anne Boleyn's childhood bedroom to its original state must wait for planning permission to remove a 1970s wardrobe. <laughs> what? This is good. This is good. I ain't reading any more about that. <laughs> Fill in the blanks. Of course, you can only really have a 1970s wardrobe. Maybe that's why it's got some kind of um, preservation order on it because wardrobes didn't. They don't go. They don't go further back than. 1955, 56. And before that, are they armoires? Yeah, they're armoires. armoires. So if somebody says, oh, I've got, you know, you, I've got this antique wardrobe from the 1900s, you go, liar, yeah. bums on fire, don't need to check because it definitely will be because they didn't, they didn't exist. And armoires are much smaller because they come from France and people were in France were much smaller by and large then. Mm-hmm. By and large. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. By and small. We've no inside scoop on Swift. Kelsey Fling says the White House. News of the most talked about Fling to reach the NFL has made it as far as the White House. During a regular press conference, the White House National Security Council spokesman, John Kirby, was asked about the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelce romance. One reporter asked, do you have any inside scoop on that? How did this come about? Whilst another asked, does President Biden think it's real? <laughs> it's, it's a dare. They're basically like I dare you. I dare you to ask. Well, he the doesn't Taylor know Swift. what they're asking him anyway. Yeah, and if you ask, if you ask the Taylor Swift question, I'll ask a follow up. I'll ask follow up Taylor Swift question in the national security briefing. There's been another celeb auction. Sir Roger Moore's collection of James Bond memorabilia sold for 1.1 million pounds. Did it include any cars? I think so. The actor who died in 2017 at the age of 89 had amassed a vast collection of items, including 20 007 swatches given to him to celebrate Bond's 40th anniversary, which sold for £76,000. His Amiga Speedmaster watch, which had an estimate of five to £7,000, went for £61,000. Whilst his limited edition Amiga Seamaster, estimated to fetch between twenty pounds and £30,000, sold for £57,000. Because pe- some people love watches, don't they? And I love the Roger Moore fact that mm. he was, apart from being James Bond and a great actor, he was responsible for the invention of the Magnum. The Galaxy Magnum, and it's true. Judy Dench meets Seal at the Cornish Seal Sanctuary. That's not... That's a seal, isn't it? Not, not the, the seal. Not, not seal, the seal. seal. Uh, Crown Pleaser Sandwiches, big winner in a snack poll. And Prada to design NASA's new moon suit. Cool. Plus, finally, stolen parrot safely home after giving its name to the police. <laughs> <laughs> so glad we had time for that at the end. Craving some great 80s music? Play Virgin Radio 80s Plus. 
on DAB Digital Radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, and at Virgin Radio 80s Plus.co.uk. I got my Love Chris Evans. Woo! Love the 80s. the 80s. Virgin Radio. 80s Plus. Well, he's here. Russell's giving the big intro. Off you go. You have our next guest to thank for some of your biggest laughs and probably your favourite song. His latest stand-up show, 30 Years of Dirt, arrives at London's Lyric Theatre later this month. So let's back ourselves a winner and welcome Frank Skinner. Morning, Frank. Oh, I thought there'd be a cheer. There, there was. I, ate I tried to thicken the cheer that never no. happened. Steve Wright's been doing it for years and it works. Yeah. I know it does. Steve does it? It's all right by me. Frank, what's funny, man? What's funny with 30 Years of Dirt? Come on. Well, I'm talking about the fact that because of uh, the way the world has changed, the way the world has changed, I'm, uh, I've been trying to clean up my act to make it more sophisticated because I've always been sort of fairly foul-mouthed in the stand-up department. And it's about that struggle, that... Um, that failing struggle to try and get, you know, like a, a, to be a, a modern kind of a cool intellectual comedian. And the success of it or, or the lack of success of it or does it not really matter? It's mainly the lack of success of it and the fact that I just like those kind of jokes so much and I've always liked them <laughs> and grew up with them. And that was how we communicated when we were youths in the West Midlands. Right. And it's, it's, I've, I've stuck with it. And so does that mean you can still, because of the context, you can then therefore carry on doing them? Is that the point? I think you've, I think you've recognised the trick straight off. You don't need God, to be part of the Thursday me. Murder Club to figure this one out, do you? <laughs> um, so you, you you did it at the Edinburgh Fringe, this this mm. show, um, for fun and, and or, or always with an eye on maybe if it goes well, we'll take it somewhere else or or what? Well, what, what management like you to do is commit to a massive tour and a long and run and all that but I thought what if it's terrible what if it dies right. in Edinburgh and then when it went really well in Edinburgh I thought oh I wish I'd committed to that too so I've ended up doing like four dates outside of London and a week in London to start off with just to keep it bobbling under right, and then more next year so did that I mean that suggests a bit of insecurity Frank yeah I've always I always think the potential to fail is with me certainly yeah. yeah but you don't strike me as insecure at all so you're self-assured because I think you have an amazing perspective on life in general and therefore you know go what you do for a living as well when you you I think you're well you are really clever you're a really clever oh. person you're funny and you're clever and so you go and see a comedian or you watch a comedian and you go Oh, that's funny. Oh, and it's clever. It's like, not only is it funny, hilariously funny, but it's also really clever. Do you have to be clever to be a comedian? Or is it? can you be like a footballer? Can you be just good at football? Can you just be funny? Because I think all comedians are really actually very clever. That's yeah, I think. I think probably the brightest people I've met are comedians, generally speaking. You know when you meet politicians and think, oh, yeah, and you're running that you know i want them to be cleverer than me yeah but that never works but comics are always very sharp and uh, interesting 
Is that if you, is that why if you get somebody slightly funny in public life, they do so much better than everybody else? Because it suggests a it helps them get their message across, uh, and b it you know subconsciously we all, we all realise that they, they might actually have a brain cell or two. Yeah, but I mean, if you think of the comedy you get in the House of Commons, you know, that joke that people still quote was Vince Cable saying that Gordon Brown had turned from um, Joseph Stalin into Mr Bean, and it's still quoted as a fantastic gag. Uh, and also the only place in the world where turning from Joseph Stalin to Mr Bean is seen as a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a really ordinary gag, and the stuff that gets laughs there is mainly malice, I think. I try to avoid that That's context, possible. though, isn't it? Because I remember when Trevor McDonald used to do the end finalies at the end of News at 10, mm. and they were hilarious because of the context of the preceding 28 minutes. Yes, but also um, that was reading out loud, yeah. which um, is, is always less impressive. No, I, I know, but it's still a joke in the middle of all, you know. I went to see um, that Sondheim tribute, Old Friends, the other night, and the biggest cheer at the end was for the orchestra, all of which were using sheet music. So the only people who hadn't learnt it got the biggest cheer <laughs> of the night. That seems wrong to me. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, when you, I learn it. When you embark upon, I know, when you embark upon, like, you know, a fringe uh, a run and then maybe a, a longer run and, you know, you're, you're getting closer and closer to saying maybe you were right, maybe we should take it down on the road and book mm. a few arenas and things like that. Is it because you want to be, you feel the need to be funny Right, think. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking. I need to be funny again for a bit, um, or because you have something to say. Um, I don't think it's because I have something to say. It's because I think this is funny. I want as many witnesses to that funniness <laughs> as I can possibly find. And also, <laughs> what usually happens when people stop touring, be they comics, musicians, or whatever, is they say, "Oh, I love the shows, but I hate." hotels and late night so driving I love all that right, right. I love walking into a motorway services at 3am and buying a Krispy Kreme from the display case yeah, yeah. I mean I, that's what I don't want to give up more than anything that's because you don't drink though because you can still you still have the playful innocence of you know not being the night not being dulled or sullied by you know you not being you're having all your options open to you, I think. Yeah, I thought that's the closest I get to an adventure. Now is uh, the motor. Because you've been done at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've stopped drinking. Ah, how's yeah. it going? It's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, where are we? I gave up on a Friday, so it's hundred twenty-five. I think it's hundred twenty-five to hundred twenty-six days today. Uh, I love it. Well, a man stopped me on Shaftesbury Avenue the other night and said. Um, will you pray for me that I can keep off the drink? And I thought, there aren't many comedians who would get a request <laughs> like that. Didn't ask for a selfie or yeah. anything. Just a prayer. Good joke. And did you? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, isn't it? So interesting. Um, at this age, at your age now, you... You're... 66. Uh, no way. No way you're 66. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's the greatest advert ever for not drinking. You're four years from 70. I know, yeah. Gee whiz, I man. I try not to think of it like that, but yes. Jerry Seinfeld's 70-odd already, isn't he, I think? He looks amazing as well. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's he may be, be 70 or 71 or something like that. I'm so, good with it. I think I've always been a 66-year-old a, a man in waiting, even when I was about 15. Yeah. It really sort of suits me, the uh, the old guy. Thing. A songwriter, so like the reason blokes um, seem not to be able to write 
decent songs past a certain age is because of they haven't surrendered to who they are maybe mm. you know or they're so busy playing amazing songs they wrote as kids you know we had bernie talking in the other day oh yeah he wrote your his book is brilliant by the way he's got this book it's an unbelievable memoir so so interesting he's good so, with words oh he's pretty good with words he wrote your song when he was 17 whilst elton's mum was making them fried eggs in the kitchen it took him 10 minutes now that is what the heck is that about is that such a profound song it's such a wise song it's so at ease with itself i used to do a bit about that because a bit was if i was a sculptor but then again no and i always used to think well, why bring it up because <laughs> he's 17 I <laughs> and he says he was umming an r in you know he's like there'll be this maybe yeah. that yeah. he's got time to think about things here's what i'm not doing what i'm not doing is, it, is as interesting to me as what i am doing Maybe other people think that. Maybe they won't. We always have that as, as teenagers, you know. What about sculpting? That's always there as an option. <laughs> Who sculpts? You know, I've got the chisels. It's a shame to waste them. You should do it on the interview. Um, but it's so funny because, you know, when people get, when songwriters go, especially blokes for some reason, they, they just won't write what their life is because, because in a way it's like, oh, no, because that's not who I was and, you know, things have moved on. And what was a rite of passage now going forwards, looking back, doesn't seem to be as appealing to them and therefore maybe not their audience. Different with you, though, because you're 66 and you're still smashing it. Yeah, well, I'm, um, I like to think I've got funnier, but I, <laughs> I do. Which is funny in itself. Because, you know, it's all about sausage meat for making the sausages and obviously the older you get the more years the more days the more sausage you make there's more experiences more things happening and different things happen to you as you get older as, as you know yeah go on give us a, give us a bit of flavor of, of what you're talking about there well um oh gosh that's that's what they call a hospital pass sorry oh, no, but I, okay well don't then don't it for matter. example you know i don't um, I can't really enjoy alphabetti spaghetti nowadays unless I'm wearing my reading glasses. Very that good. kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's good. Good. Do you think that maybe, maybe, right, as we get older, it's not, it's not us. I can't speak for comedians, but comedians. You're a comedian, of course. Um, it's not that comedians get less popular. It's just that their audience can't be bothered to go out. Um, that might be. Do true. you know what I mean? But I get I get quite a bit of uh, white hair as well. Sometimes we don't even need to put the house lights in. They generate their own. <laughs> you know, when it snows, yeah. it never really gets dark. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. there's snow on the ground, yeah, it's yeah. like So I get those. I get, <laughs> I get, I get the mix. But they sit at the front because they want to be able to hear me and <laughs> when stuff. When it snows, it never really gets dark. That's hilarious. <laughs> you must have noticed It's that. so true. I had a paper round for five years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and also sound carries much further when it snows for some bizarre reason. But uh, it is fascinating, that thing, what happens to... Why isn't Paul McCartney still writing yesterday now? Yeah. I asked Steve Davis... I said, in 1981, you were undoubtedly so brilliant at snooker. I remember discussions about you. they might have to give you a handicap, like in golf, yeah. to make to make it worth playing other people. Mm. I said, and now, by the way, he was still playing then, and I said, you're still losing a lot. He said, I, don't you think I've asked myself that many? He said, you just, you just a do a bit less practice and there's a bit less focus yeah. and a bit less striving when you've already done it all. 
Well, they do say it's because it's such a precision sport, snooker, because it's a still ball. Mm. So you're not reacting. There's no energy coming towards you. You decide all the energy in that shot. And it's very similar to golf. Well, I've done gigs like that when there's no energy coming towards yeah, me. Yeah, well, how's that feel? <laughs> so you should know. I like to think, I think as a comic, um, the, the secret is, is when you're having a bad night to still have a good night. So you just you go on to professional mode. You must never have a bad night. Well, I, I haven't had a bad night for a while, but um, it, I always think there's one on the horizon. Otherwise, I interviewed um, marvellous Marvin Hagler once, the boxer, and he's, um, his slogan was, to be a champion, you have to think like a challenger. Right. And I think that's true of stand-up as well. Do you remember the last bad night you had? Um, I remember one in Montreal... I remember it because it was reviewed by the comedy website Chortle and thus immortalised. I thought, tonight they're in. And I hadn't done stand-up for a bit and they made me the headliner and I was really rusty and a bit of stuff didn't go early and I lost confidence. And I remember the pain of it. But it's good to remember it because on the days when you think maybe I won't write any stuff today, I remember that gig and think, you know what, maybe I will. When you lose confidence on stage, which hasn't happened for a while, what is that? How does that manifest itself? Um, with a sort of terrible emptiness and fear, and uh, I remember having a bad gig and going into the supermarket the next day, and the woman said, "Are you a comedian?" And I said, "No." No more. No, I said no. I thought it is not morally correct for me to say I'm a comedian after what happened last night. And I couldn't say it until I had a good, you know, the next good gig. But on stage in the moment, what happens? Because, you know, when we when something happens in a meeting or you, you have a, a, an uncomfortable situation with your spouse or whoever it may be, you know, it is, it is a well-known fact that our capillaries constrict and therefore all our senses, our peripheral vision, our hearing, it all gets very focused because we're in fear. And so we, we get very targeted like we would do, you know, thousands of years ago being chased down by something that wants to eat us. It's the same kind of physical and chemical reaction well you said earlier you didn't think I'd, i had any sort of self-doubt and there is part of me that that is true a comedian who i won't name a young comic said to me at a party the other week i think you are the best british comedian of all time and i said well i kind of agree with that i might have dropped the british <laughs> and I do, I think there is part of me that thinks I'm the funniest man on the planet. And I've thought that for some years. And I can't shrug that off, that feeling. <laughs> so if it does go bad, I still think this is, a, a, you know, you know that thing about form is temporary or, and class all that. Class is permanent. It, class is, I still think, in a, you know, in a, in a swaggering, arrogant way, but I try and keep it internal, right. that... This is a blip, but I know I've got something special and that cannot be damaged. <laughs> I don't care if any of that was true or not. And I don't know. I don't... It is, that is true. <laughs> uh, the Frank Skinner Show, 11 million viewers a week. Um, seven series of that. Uh, Room 101. Uh, how, is it, how are you in telly nowadays? Do you think about it? Um, do, do you hanker after it? What was it like then? What do you think about TV now? Well, I end up... Uh, I do, like, poetry I documentaries know, on Sky Arts there, but not like I did. I used to have five series a year. I don't know about you, because we were both pretty hot at the same time. 
I had a dream about, um, and I don't normally talk about dreams, but in the dream I was in a really, really luxurious hotel room, but there was somebody knocking on the door like that, going, uh, Frank, Frank, you need... Frank, Frank. And I, and I woke up, I thought... <gasps> and I thought, oh, my God, my life was like that for about 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of all the loveliness and the luxury and breakfast in bed and other stuff in bed, but someone always banging on the door. Yeah. And this is the sort of thing that people say when their um, TV career crumbles. They say, well, of course, I've had enough anyway. So I'm not saying that, you know, I'd like to be saying no to more things. Right. Is basically what I'm saying. But I don't miss that knocking on the door. Yeah. And also I've got a kid and that now. You do a deal when you have a kid and you think, you know what, I've got so much to give and I'm going to give it to this thing at home. Not so much out there. But I don't want to be one of those soap stars who say I'm leaving, you know, for other projects and they turn out to be 1,000-piece jigsaws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second-hand 1,000-piece jigsaws. Aussie <laughs> Jane, uh, she has an Instagram. Is it a page or is it an account that's just second-hand jigsaws? I think there can be no greater show of optimism than to buy a second-hand jigsaw. The <laughs> well, idea, even if it's got the tape on the side. No, the idea <laughs> that all the pieces will be there is absolutely... Well, Jane will know. Jane, how many out of ten would you say are complete? Jane, come in a sec. Come and meet Frank. Ozzy Jane, by the way. He's I've awesome. met Ozzy Jane before, actually. Yeah. I think we have a mutual friend. So we have I uh, a mutual friend, Sarah Bishop. Sarah Bishop, yes, my my radio producer, yeah. Sarah Spracklin, as is now. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about jigsaws. How many have you done online? How many have you have you oh, shown people? This was pre-pandemic, before everyone started getting into jigsaw yeah. puzzles. I started Everybody this account. On the didn't yeah, <laughs> it's at secondhand puzzles. If anyone wants to have a look, at but I do, puzzles. I do rate them all, and I specify how many pieces are missing of each oh, puzzle. That's the thing, is it? Yeah. <laughs> so how how many would you say? What out of ten, how many would would have would be complete? Three. Three hours, is it more yeah. than you think? Oh, no, but that's not great, is it? <laughs> not great. It, might, it also might be a lie. Well, no, it, it's uh, not a lie. I would honestly estimate that's probably the amount, but it's exciting. You don't and is know. it the more pieces, the more likely there are to be pieces missing? Simple as that? Yeah. Numbers yeah, game? Yeah, definitely. The higher the, the puzzle count. All right, great. <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing during uh, the pandemic. It went nuts. I wouldn't have dared touch a second-hand jigsaw. Another little edginess in my life. Yeah, I'm playing with a second-hand jigsaw <laughs> look at this, during look at the me. pandemic look at this, Boris. without gloves. Yeah. Um, do you have a jigsaw? Is it a mat? Yes, it is a you mat. You can roll them up. You can. Do they work, those things? They do sometimes. To a certain extent. You can just slide it under your sofa as well. So for safekeeping. Thanks, have, you do, have you done those like completely white ones and stuff like that? Oh, I have got the white album. I've never completed it. <laughs> no. Where's the fun in that? Don't know where is the fun in that, Jane? It's uh, it's not it's not very no fun. fun. No, no fun in that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, 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 so you don't have was, to. That was uh, <laughs> I suspected that. Thank you, Jane. Thanks. And for Jane. That was great. That was great. Um, so Frank, what flew in Edinburgh? Um, what did you embellish and what, what's sneakily gone from the show? Um, well, most of the stuff... I'm not going to do material, obviously, on here, but I, it, went, um, it went brilliantly, in fact. Is it, one, is it straight one hour in Edinburgh? Is that how it works? Yeah. Right. That's the best. I don't know why when you go on tour, people want, like, an hour and a... 
half hour. And I saw Michael McIntyre at uh, Hammersmith Apollo, and he was at, uh, in his first show. He was absolutely breathtaking, brilliantly great. And after an hour and ten, I thought, I'm loving this. Stop now, though. Stop now. I don't know why people want so long. Well, you know, long. Seinfeld is exactly an hour. He's only ever done an hour. Why do people want... I think it's a it's a sort of money's worth... Value for money. ...thing. But um, that is like the old, you know, the, the Groucho Marx thing about um, the food's terribly here and such small portion. <laughs> I I I just think an hour of laughter is. Um, so you want? Yeah, of course. You're quite right. So is thirty years of dirt? Is it a straight hour? No, it won't be on the, in these shows. It'll be longer. They want longer. I have to. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, there'll be. Will there be, be an right. interval? There'll be. Uh, there will be an interval. An yeah. Chloe, Chloe Petz is my uh, support act, so she goes on first for like twenty-five. Then um, we allow the theatres to make some money at the bar. That's that's important, isn't it? Yeah, and then I go on and do uh, an hour and twenty is what I'm aiming at. All right, well, it's booking from now, from this today. FrankSkinnerLive.com, thirty years of dirt at the Lyric Theatre in London from Monday the thirtieth of October till Sunday the fifth of November, and then maybe beyond that if this also goes well. Well, I'm doing regional dates before <laughs> hey! that. I'm doing. I'm just four <laughs> shows: Leicester, Halifax. Middlesbrough, Reading, everybody's talking about pop music. Talk about... Oh, sorry, I thought you'd all join in. Sorry, I was (laughs) was checking on the dates. (laughs) Trust me, it was brilliant. Okay, Uh, Frank, thanks for coming in, man. Always a pleasure, Great to see you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. All right, there's a bloke with a guitar here. Who might that be, Vassos? Who are we to disagree with our next guest? He travels the world and the seven seas and everybody's looking for tickets to Eurythmics Songbook 40th Anniversary Tour and Time Traveller's Wife, the musical, both available now. Here comes the Dave again. It's Dave <laughs> Stewart. Hello, hello, hello. All hello, right, hello, Dave. Hello. I had to stay up all night to be here. just do that again early. for us, please? Um, Oh, it starts like... And because you play the chord backwards at the end, that changes everything, doesn't it? Well, one note changes everything, and that's... This is A minor. That's kind of sad, but normal chord. But you take one finger off and let a B ring, and it's... Change everything. Well, a bit like life, isn't it? Yeah, mate. Yeah, we've just been having a lovely chat off the air. Dave Stewart, Eurythmics, Songbook, and Time Traveller's Wife. Loads of things to talk about. Uh, so, Eurythmics, Songbook, Sweet Dreams, 40th Anniversary Tour. Tickets available at Dave Stewart. Um, ENT. ENT, yeah. There's a bit on the end there, isn't there? Dave, Dave Stewart, Stewart Entertainment, yeah. I suppose. That's yeah, that. short for Entertainment. Dave Stewart, ENT.com. And the show, The Time Traveller's Wife, the musical. Tickets available at Time Travel. It's off the page. <laughs> Time Traveller's Wife. Time Yeah. Cool. Uh, just tell us a bit about like, the corporate gigs you do. So, so. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I do talks about um, 
creativity, you know, left side, right side of your brain, how to think of thing. It's a bit like um, Brian Eno's oblique strategies, you know. And in the talk, I talk about sometimes about how I ended up doing something or how they could think differently. And it could be for all sorts of different people. I've done it for Razorfish, um, you know, internet companies or even radio stations or whatever. And I, in as they don't know this, it's a bit like a magic trick, but I, I get them to talk about, you know, what they think the sound of their company is. And I'll go, is it like that? Or I'll go, is it like this? And they all shout out and go, no, like that, like that. And then is the bass line like, or is it, or is it like, and they all shout out, you know, and what they don't realize on the side of the stage, I have a programmer and I'm whispering, put that in, in this low mini moog sequence or da, 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 da. And in the end I get them, what's the chorus of this company? And they all fight over it. And somebody, then somebody says something and they all go, yeah, yeah, that's good. Who can sing? And then they all sort of go, she can sing, Margaret from the bloody, you know, whatever. <laughs> and um, and then they come up and sing. What they don't realise, as I leave the stage, I tell the programmer, just press play, and it's made into a record. Wow. <laughs> and they, they just look really puzzled, but it is them. What you know? a moment, though, eh? Yeah. And then they've got that to take away. They've got a proper takeaway. Yeah, I don't know, the whole orchestra as well, whether I have a lovely lady called Anne-Marie Calhoun, violinist, who would dictate and notate what I was saying, and ha they'd have iPads, and it would go along and all the cellos, all the violas or whatever, and in the end I go, and here's a song, and then a whole curtain falls, you know, I'm standing in a circle in the middle, and the, the whole orchestra is playing the song that oh, they do. Isn't yeah. that beautiful? Yeah. Oh, to be able to do fun. that. Good fun. But, you know, just you saying that, you know, we those of us who aren't musical, you know, we we have the option, don't we, to listen to ourselves and our thoughts and our procrastination or decision making or our options in music. And obviously, as you say there, once you ask someone, does it sound a bit like this? Once we're reminded that we can think like that, we do think like that. Oh yeah, I oh, know. I mean, uh, there's fights break out and everything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because like everything in life has got some kind of melody to it. Yeah. You know, and if you don't find your melody in life, then that's when things can get complicated. Oh, wow. And you've got to get back on track, you know. And so uh, music really, well, if we want to go into music theory, but it's, you know, everything is vibrating, even this sort of desk or whatever. Yeah. You, if you had microscope, it's all just vibrations. And so... Um, Music has the power to alter the way people think, and it's a very sort of interesting thing. So football does the same thing. See, if you have a, a match going on, not Newcastle, but a match going on, <laughs> and uh, and the match has uh, got everybody on the edge of the, you know, tip your toes or on the seats or wherever they are, and then something really magic happens, and it might be the trainer it might be the manager no but it might be just a player who has this seems to have peripheral vision and just passes the ball and nobody realizes wow that's amazing and then the guy gets it and all these moves happen and it's a goal yeah right 
Now, that moment is the space between your thoughts, right? So people don't usually get to that space between the thoughts. They're usually going, oh, God, did I lock the door? Oh, I didn't lock the dog out, did I? Or all these things yeah, going yeah, on, yeah. a million things chattering in your brain. But to get to that gap, you know, that space between your thoughts, it can be aided by meditation or various things, but music can do it and sport can do it and, you know, yourself like doing running or whatever like you know that can do it you know um but people i think if they can get to one thing that they like doing that does that like once a day for a little short period of time the whole day changes you know yeah so you need space for grace but sometimes if you practice grace it can give you the space and it's like music isn't it because you know do we play certain kinds of music because we're the mood we're in or do we become in a mood because of certain types of music we play mm -hmm. well that's a good question um see if i was to play something uh, like this you know most people it would make them feel happy like, yeah good right unquestionably yeah and then if i played something that was more dark like Even the opening chord, it's like, oh dear, what's going to happen? Yeah, yes. As, and, you know, you can do all sorts of expectance, kind of, uh, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy, isn't it? And so, it's so crazy. It is crazy, and it's, it's kind of infinite possibilities. Oh. So, you know, that's just one thing, and then you add another thing, and a cello, and a voice, and a this, and that, and a melody. And that's what I was talking about when you said, what we're doing... I wasn't doing a talk as such. It was this great thing called The Other Songs by Andrew Lloyd Webber's sons organised very quickly for the Ivan Novello cha charity. And people came on and talked about... This is at the Palladium? At the Palladium, yeah. yeah. They just talked about and played a little bit of songs that they'd written and how it came about. Because the stories of how songs come about are different for everybody. You know, some people dream them. Some people, uh, you know, they're on a boat on a river or something and all of a sudden dying this whole thing comes to them or some people sweat in the studio for months and it doesn't matter how it comes about as long as it's a great song right yeah yeah so you talked about because i saw a clip of it online and it looked like you were on tour giving this master class on how you'd written the eurythmic songs so you come in and i asked you that question you said no no it was just a one-off thing but it was about sweet dreams um could, could you just if you don't mind giving us a mini version of the story <laughs> well what i did on the stage i had a drummer behind me and a keyboard player so when i said you know basically i had slept on the floor with a friend of mine all night in a place down in Bridgewater where the guy was making a prototype of a drum machine and it was you can see it on the Sweet Dreams video I mean it's got wood around the outside which is odd for a computer right and um, and it had this amazing ability that you could turn and tune the drums down so they didn't sound like a, the drum that it was like a tom-tom didn't sound like a tom-tom the snare drum sounded suddenly like something else so I was playing with it. Annie was lying on the floor. Oh, she was a bit down, like, oh, nothing's going to work. And, you know, and all of a sudden, I got this drum tuned all the way down. It went boom, like a really loud, well, on stage at the Palladium, I had the drummer do it. Like, it was doom. really good. It was a doom, like that. Doom. 
and I said, oh, no. I thought, oh, that's quite good. And then I put in the bass drum, you know, four on the floor, like doom, 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 doom. But this boom was on the first beat. Now, in dance music, it's usually the back beat. So, like Michael Jackson or whoever, like boom, ka, boom, ka. But James Brown was always into what's called the one. So, like boom, doom, 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 doom. You know, it's a completely different yeah, yeah. way of looking at it. So I had the bass drum going and this beat and then a little sequence on the thing and Annie sort of leapt up interested all of a sudden I was like what's that and she went to this synthesizer that wasn't ours you know weren't meant to switch it on <laughs> it was the person who was renting us this little space Amazing. and it had a sort of stringy sound and when she started playing together with the, everything it was and then we both looked at each other and through, with only three tracks playing it sounded massive you know and it still does to this day if somebody puts it on a club it begins and it's three tracks three tracks meaning just three things playing at once and it, it just smashes the floor you know it is amazing um beautiful story uh, you got to watch that online you can just call it up on instagram or youtube it's just fantastic would you consider taking a master class on the road well you just you gave me quite a good idea actually yeah <laughs> it would be good fun um because i can go through lots of songs and stories a lot of eurythmic songs a lot of other songs I think that's why they called it the other songs, right? <laughs> right, but um, yeah, um, it, you know, it would be interesting. I was actually thinking one time of starting. This is, do you remember that great film School of Rock? Yeah, yeah. You know, and where he goes mental in the classroom, Jack yeah. Black, and um, but I was thinking of one time of doing a, a sort of a songwriting school, you know, uh, because a lot of times when people go and attend any university course or whatever, and then they get into the real world and they go, oh, now, hang on, this isn't exactly what I learned. Well, for instance, producing records, people go study, you know, the mixing desk and the knobs and this and that and delays and echoes and everything. What they don't take into account is like, oh, the drummer's fighting with the bass player and now yeah, yeah. he's fallen on top of the mixing desk yeah. and there's blood on it, you know. <laughs> and stuff like that. Blood. <laughs> no, but you see, so true though. It's real life, man. Real life. You know, it's like you and the radio. Oh yeah, I think I'll be on the radio, and then there's all this mad stuff you have to deal with. <laughs> and uh, so making records is a bit like that. You know, it's personalities. All sorts of crazy stuff happens. Yeah, it's like Mike Tyson always said, didn't he? Got a, everybody that comes into the ring to fight me has got a plan till I punch him in the face. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Yeah. it's uh, And things happen, really amazing things happen. Like um, I was talking to Annie the other day. We were having dinner in uh, Los Angeles about three months ago or something. And she was very excited because she'd been on stage with Joni Mitchell, who she always loved from the minute I met her and before that. And I said... And she was telling me all about it, and I'd seen some of it online. It was really amazing. I said, oh, yeah, well, the church studios, which is in Crouch End, which Annie and I bought and was turned into a studio, and very early on in Eurythmics career, I was getting asked to produce people. So Daryl Hall came from America, and I was producing Daryl Hall. But Joni Mitchell came to sing back in vocals on a track called Writer's Rain. And... Uh, and he was like, what, where was I? I said, I don't know where you were at that moment, but it was amazing. And then during 
stopped the recording of it. They were having, were having a good time. And I said, hey, why don't we do a thing where everybody plays the wrong instrument? So, Joni, you play the drums, and I think it was Clem Burke played the bass, and, you know, Daryl played the guitar. And we jammed for about an hour like that, and Joni said, God, that was the best time I've ever had, and she was terrible. It was having a, <laughs> no, it sounded awful. We all were terrible. But it was such good Didn't fun. Yeah. Was that at Joni's festival? She has her own festival, doesn't she? Yeah, she? yeah it was the beginning of it, I think. And um, and Annie went and lots of different artists who were influenced by Joni, yeah. They uh, they went and sang with her. and Because she went through a terrible time, Joni Mitchell, for a while, very yeah. ill. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. She said, apparently she did a three-hour set at that festival, which is incredible. Mm. Uh, Dave, you look amazing. You look really well. I, I don't know why. How do you feel? Terrible. I had, to st- <laughs> I, I had to stay up all night to be on a breakfast show. I'm sorry. I apologise. <laughs> what you know. That's we, it. Does what it says on the tin. I, yeah. I can. I hope you think it's worth it. Yeah. Um, we haven't quite finished yet, but I want to give another plug because it's going to be great. Eurythmic Songbook, Sweet Dreams, 40th anniversary tour with Annie's blessing. Uh, tickets at Dave Stewart ent.com dave stewart ent.com and the show the time traveler's wife the musical tickets at time traveler's wife.com tell us about that that's a big deal yeah um well you know i've worked on a couple of musicals before when you're writing the songs or music for the musical and a lot of people don't realize how long it takes to get it up on the stage so one called ghost the musical which i had uh it took seven years, I remember. We started in Manchester, and you keep changing things. It's a never-ending sort of songwriting quest, which I like. and But also for the director or for the set designer, anything can go wrong at any minute. And, and right till the last minute of the show being on the stage, there's somebody going, hey, I can't change this dress in 12 seconds to turn into the... You know what I mean? It's like... Real so life, in real life, mate. Yeah, and so <laughs> yeah. when those lights go down in a theatre, what's great is all that stuff's happening in a space of time that has to end at this time is all happening in real time. It's not AI. Yeah. Uh, it, this is real. Yeah, got it. Uh, well, the film was big. The book was massive, and, and this show sounds like it's amazing. The Time Traveller's Wife, the musical. Uh, previews have started, or they start tomorrow, is that right? It starts on Saturday, which is yeah. tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. I'm going. Got that. So um, it would have been great to get Annie on the tour for the 40th anniversary tour. Of course, mm. it's just great to get out there anyway, uh, playing all this yeah. stuff. Well, Annie decided quite a while ago, actually, she, she doesn't want to tour. Right. So she, she didn't tour. We haven't. This is the first time the Eurythmic songs on a tour playing live for 24 years. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Uh, and, you know, we were offered tours constantly, but Annie doesn't want to tour because... It's the grueling part and the travelling about and then singing for two hours and then flying to the next place yeah, yeah. or getting in a bus or I've blah, got a question blah. for you then. Yeah. Last weekend, mm-hmm. saw the launch of The Sphere in Las Vegas. You two yeah. played The Sphere, the MSG $3 billion Sphere. Oh, yeah. It was so successful. Yeah. You know, there's reviews in the paper today, even though the the first uh, performance was a week ago now, saying U2's Las Vegas gamble paid off. The Sphere is amazing. You know, I mean, it was hyped, you know, with an inch of its life, but it com- it completely pays off. Mm. 16,500 speakers, 16K um, projection, outside and inside pixelated screens. There's one being booked for uh, Stratford. They're building a billion-dollar version here in Stratford. Yeah. Uh, they've got planning permission uh, for that already. Would you 
would she and you consider that? Because you, your rhythmics are made for that venue. Yeah, uh, Bono asked me that about two years ago. Like, um, he told me what they were doing. Would your rhythmics do it? Um, I don't know. It, it. We, I can't say too much, but Annie and I and uh, Simon Fuller, our manager, have talked about doing something very special, but it's not in a sphere. But I can't say any it's more about it. It's another kind of sphere, different yeah. sphere. But that, but come on, I mean, mm. your music, Dave, you, it lends itself to that kind of technology. I mean, can you imagine what they could oh, do God. with that? No, we both can imagine. In fact, we've talked back and forth, Annie and I, about all sorts of interesting things. Because for us, you see, when MTV happened, uh, a lot of bands were like, oh, no, what do we have to do and stand and play a song? And for us, we'd already been making these sort of strange film vignettes, you know, and I would write the story, like Sweet Dreams, and a cow comes in the boardroom, and very surreal. So you can imagine that, you know, the surreal version and the, you know, the way... It's like another art form, so... um, yeah, it is interesting. Oh, I would love to see that. I'd love to see you too. They finish in about a minute, don't they? It'll all over, be over before we know it. Mm. Helen says, I went to see the Time Traveller's Wife musical during the initial run in Chester last year, and it was off the scale amazing. So that's mm. nice, isn't it? Yeah. Rachel from Enville, first ever concert I went to was Eurythmics at the NEC in Birmingham. I sat in the very back row, but it's a concert that will stay with me forever. I was at the same concert, Rachel, and it was literally one of the best concerts I've ever seen they were out of time that was half an hour man oh well that was quick flew by didn't it yeah like time, time is jet time flies play. when you're having fun time is the artificial division in eternity love it uh, do you want to play us out with anything on the Ogeet you don't have to yeah what would you like I don't mind anything anything alright then um, anything uh Wow. Eurythmics, Dave Stewart, ENT.com to go and see Dave and a very, very happy band of brilliant, talented musicians and vocalists. Eurythmics, Songbook, Sweet Dreams, The Anniversary Tour. Why wouldn't you want to go and see that? And The Time Traveller's Wife kicks off tomorrow. The musical, timetravellerswife.com. That's it from us. Fastest, have a great weekend with your kids. And to you. Daddy Daycare. Thanks to the team. And here's to Monday. See you then. The Graham Norton Radio Show. How exciting is this? With Waitrose. Over on Virgin Radio. Up and Adam, come on, things to do. Don't cheer, you'll just embarrass yourselves. We're not bored of it yet, so it's lovely. There's no stopping them, no stopping them. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Oh, there's nothing nicer, is there? Nothing nicer. With Waitrose, food to feel good about. I mean, what's not to like? Saturday and Sunday from 9.30. Over on Virgin Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.